On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World wherever you get your podcasts. And they were O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Leicester have another! Darcy O'Driscoll through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, step and score! Well, it was stop, start and touch and go at times, but the Champions Cup pool stages finally reached its conclusion over the weekend. And it was a very successful period for the Irish provinces, all four of them into the last 16 and some mouthwatering two leg ties to come later on in the year. Luke, it was uh, interesting last weekend. You know, the Irish teams, I think, had all basically secured their, their knockout place. But there was still some really good rugby on show, some cracking tries. Even just watching back some of the highlights of a couple of the games that I didn't get to watch over the weekend. A lot of the teams were really going for it, even to get a better seeding. Like, you know, and it, it made for a very exciting weekend. Oh, brilliant weekend at rugby, Will. It's, we're, we're, we're made for these kind of weekends, aren't we? Um, <laughs> particularly with the baby as well. She got her first taste of, of a real Heineken Cup weekend. So it was, uh, <laughs> we, uh, she had her Leinster jersey on. We, were, we, were, we really enjoyed that one. Um, and as you said, the rest of the Irish provinces were brilliant as well. So, uh, really pleasing, you know. There was a little bit of worry around, you know, uh, teams not being fully, fully cooked, I suppose, with all the COVID and all that kind of stuff. Um, but as it turned out, um, things are th- things worked out really well, and everyone looks in really good shape. And uh, there's some mouthwatering clashes in those last sixteen. Those, uh, you know, home and away fixtures will be. I, I think they'll be a brilliant addition to things. I can't wait for them already. If you look at, if you're looking through the list there. There is some massive, massive games. Like not even the Irish provinces, even some of the other teams. Um, you know, I can't wait to watch them. I mean, there's so many. Like it's kind of weird. It's all the French clash. Like there's a lot of French clashes, a lot of Irish clash, Irish clashes. Um, you know, even that one at the end there. Like the the um, there's an English clash there. So we will get like a, a good, I think, sprinkling international sprinkling in the quarterfinals actually just because there's kind of uh, teams from the same country playing against each other. So it makes for a very exciting, and I think it'll be good for the competition because it's lost maybe a little bit of that allure that it had possibly, that little bit of sheen it had because uh, of COVID, people not being able to travel. But if you have more teams from different countries in the knockout stages, I think it it, it creates a fantastic buzz. Um, and I think the competition is shaping up really nicely at this stage. So very exciting. Really looking forward to, to, to watching them now. Um, just got the bloody Six Nations in the way. Uh, just got to get through that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, well, we'll be joined in just a minute by former colleague Backrow Owen McKeown to go over to the weekend's action, you know, and all the, the performances. But yeah, as you say, it's funny because, you know, when we had, I think, Gavin Mayers on a couple of weeks ago from the Telegraph, and we were talking about the Champions Cup and the direction it's headed in and if the English team still value it. And it's just now that we've seen those last 16 matchups, I'm kind of enthused again. And I, I'm actually, I know, as we said, we have the small matter of the six nations to get to first but it has kind of re-energized that i feel like once we get to that knockout stage it was a kind of a bumpy road to get to the last 16 ties but i think there's a lot of hope and promise here yeah there is and it'd be interesting to see how those english teams play and the french teams like i think what we do have is teams like i think uh, you know um you know, La Rochelle, I think, will, will want to do well. Racing always valued the, the Heineken Cup to lose. We know even from how the French league is reacting to that loss um, or that COVID-induced loss. You know, they're all going to be interested in the competition, absolutely. So that's a good thing. Uh, interesting to see how Quinns, you know, take to this because obviously they won the, the Prem last year, playing great rugby still, very attractive uh, to, to the eye. They've got Montpellier, which you'd imagine they'll, they'll beat them fairly comfortably. But... Um, Interested to see how far they go, how Exeter go, you know, how will Bristol manage in the Heineken Cup? Like, that's something that, I'll, you know, we'll probably be watching closely. So, uh, a nice international flavour there. And Leicester, obviously, resurgent as well. Claremont, they're not the team of old, that's that's for sure. But um, I think we'll have a nice English kind of, uh, nice English crew in the in the quarterfinals, nice French crew. And, of course, a couple of the Irish teams in there, you'd imagine. I'd obviously, definitely one of Leinster or Connacht. So, um, you know, nice, nice spattering across the, the, the quarterfinals, as I mentioned earlier on. And I think lots of teams that you'd be kind of intrigued to watch to see, oh, you know, how committed are they to this? You can imagine once you're in the knockouts, you know, you're in. Like you're, you're, you're all in, in in terms of your mentality. And you're going to say, well, look, just we've got a chance of winning this really brilliant tournament, particularly with the premiership now as well, you know, have, be, being ring, ring fenced this year. Uh, you'd imagine that you know, they'll go gung-ho once they get in there in, into that stage, which it looks like they will. Yeah, well, a lot of exciting rugby to come. But first, we're going to look back and we're delighted to be joined by Owen McKeown, formerly of Connacht, to discuss all the weekend's action. Owen, you notice all the four Irish provinces into the knockout stages. I know that was kind of decided before ball was kicked. But, you know, how impressed have you been with overall the four teams, you know, and how they've gone up against the French and the English? Do you think, Owen, that they're in a, a strong place at the moment? Like, how would you assess our, our campaigns today? It's it's a little bit frustrating, I think, for Connacht fans at the moment. Like the there's three games that sort of stood out to me, which was the Leicester game at home, which they I think get an 18 point lead and they let slip and they lost by one. You look at that monster away game, and then obviously Stad at the weekend, where you know Stad went down to 14 men after 46 minutes, and we you know let that one slip again, and it's. I think I heard Jack Carty say after after the game, he said, we don't want to be a maybe team, we want to be a winning team. And I, I think he's dead right. I think they they know they can play well enough to beat these bigger teams. It's just about, I think, that sort of little bit of game management they need to improve on and be able to close out games when they have that lead, you know. And uh, I, they'll definitely be, I imagine that would be the first thing they'll be talking about after uh, after those three games is, you know, when you have that lead, is keeping that lead and 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 playing maybe playing less rugby and playing more strategically. You know, playing down the opposition half or whatever that may be. But um, no, they've a good run of games coming up now. I mean, like the, the, the top four teams in the URC. So they've Glasgow, I think Ulster, Scarlet, Stormers, Edinburgh, and then it's pretty much. I think it's Leinster, Benetton, and then Leinster, Leinster. So um, it doesn't get easy for them. So. Uh, They'll be very used to each other, I think, by the time uh, they come out at the end of that block. Um, 
Connor for Leinster, but um, they need to get some they need to get some results. I think in the in the URC before going into the Champions Cup, really to to bring that confidence with them uh, when they go up against Leinster. Yeah, look, for, you know, from a Connor perspective, you know, I think they're a lot of people's second team. Like the way they play, it, it's really easy on the eye. People love their, they, you know, when they won the Pro 14 a couple of years ago, it was a great story. But you know, I feel like if it was another province who had you know, lost the last two weekends the way Connacht have, the, the people will be really sticking the boot, boot in and being very, very critical. You know, people give Connacht a little more leeway because they don't have maybe the same resources. But at the same time, if you're looking at the last two weekends, you know, how frustrating is it, you know, that they have been able to close out one of those wins? You always mention that that uh, that final that I played in my last rugby game that I lost to Connacht. And to think that that actually might be a reason why I'd support them uh, <laughs> is pretty delusional. Anyway, no, look, um, I really love the brand of rugby they're playing to what Owen was mentioning about, you know, those kind of frustrating fixtures. And I'd actually mentioned that Leinster game in the RDS. And I'd be interested to hear your opinion on this because that first 30 minutes, they were right in that game. And one bad, like, uh, sorry, I, I was going to say a bad kick. It was actually a really unlucky kick by Jack Carty into the corner. If you remember the top right-hand corner um, towards the Simmons court end, um, that bounced badly, went out on the fall, and they got a scrum back in the kind of, I think it was deep in the kind of tw- um, uh, half at least anyway. And it kind of really changed the complexion of the game. And I thought they just didn't react well to that. Um and sorry, the reason I mentioned that game is because I feel like they were right in that one. And I think, you know, to my mind, the key thing for Connacht is still their defence. I Like, look, we can all appreciate the attacking rugby, but you just can't keep, I think, conceding as many points as they're conceding. I think that's their big problem. I think if I was Andy Friend, I'd be looking at it saying, Do you know what, yes, lads, we're going great here going with the ball, but we need to focus in. You can see there are games, like that Ulster game, I thought their defence was rock solid in the Aviva. Um, but, and they, sorry, the first 30 minutes against Leinster, it looked very, very strong. They had the majority of the ball for that, but they have the potential to be very, very good on that side of the ball. They have some good poachers. They've got good tacklers. Um, I think maybe sometimes uh, out wide, like Mac Hansen's been great going forward, but he has work to do in his defence. But other than that, I think they have all the tools to be very, very good defensively. I don't know why they aren't being, the, uh, the, you know, good there. Uh, to my mind, that's the key for them. If they can turn that around, I don't think anyone will want to face Connacht. I really don't think they will because they're bloody hard to contain with ball in hand. I don't know if you agree with any of that, Owen. No, definitely, yeah. And it, it was funny. I was looking back at some of the, the highlights of the stag games before this call, and you're dead right. Like They get so tight at times, and it's... I don't know. I, I'm out of the loop now and I don't know what's been said in the, in the inner circles, but I would imagine that that's going to be a big focus is, is lads drawn into the rook, honeycombing into the rook, as we used to say, and just keep that width. Like, I mean, they were, they were getting beaten on the outside by Stad with 14 men. And I was like, that, that shouldn't really be happening against 14 men. So, um, as you said, yeah, you need a strong defence to be able to win the championship. And if you don't have it, you're not going to win. And Owen, like from your experience with Andy Friend, he, he does come across as, you know, an attack-minded coach. Is that like his point of emphasis when he's, you know, speaking to the team usually? Like, would the defence been mostly kind of pushed by, by the defensive coach? Or like, does Andy Friend take a, an active role in that as well? I think it, it, it very much, uh, I would say, friendly is probably more of a director of rugby role now. He's probably less hands-on and he lets the coaches kind of do their thing. Um, 
But I think when you come when it comes to the defense, particularly in the latter stages of the game, like lads are tired, concentration levels are dipping, and it's like it's that mindset of like just work hard, just keep your space and keep your wit, and don't start honey potting around the rook and leaving those big gaps out wide. So I think that's probably the biggest area they need to focus on and and put a lot more work into it because as Luke was saying if they could tighten that up they'd be a very tough team to beat because we know they can score tries we know they have the ability with the likes of Hanson Porch and these guys do you know what I mean to uh to get over the line but as you said I I don't know what the average is this year in terms of what they've what they've let slip by but um yeah, they're, they're leaking too many points. And particularly in those last 20 minutes of a game, it's uh, it's costing them big time. Yeah, like if you think of those fixtures, like even on the weekend, like 37 points, like that's a lot of points to concede. That Leinster game, they were in the 40s. Like, you know, there's they're too good to be doing that. And I feel like it's a concentration thing. I feel like um, maybe there is something in that, Will. Maybe that, you know, they, they need to maybe re-emphasize a little bit because I think if they, look, sometimes you might take a slight step back from the attacking side. You might give up something there by refocusing on the defensive side. But let's face it, like, they've got the athletes. They've got, the, like, I think they've got the commitment. They look like they've got a good team ethic in our team kind of environment there. They're pulling for each other. Like, all the basics are there for them to have a very miserly defense. Um so they should look. I just think it's if they get that right, even if they were given up five or six points on the attacking side by not focusing as much on it, I think they could get back more on on, on the uh, defensive side, and I think it it would make them a really tough um, team to play against because at the moment I think they're just giving up too much there. Um, but yeah, I mean Lancer. I don't think Lancer will be happy about getting them. I, I know that they'll be looking at that result in the in in the RDS and thinking, well. You know, I just hope, for obviously, from my perspective, from as a Leinster supporter, I try and leave it at the door. But you, you'd hope that they wouldn't be, you know, looking at the last fifty minutes of that game, and they'd be saying, Do "You know what? Like, a couple of things went our way there. That could have been a very different game if Connacht had a few breaks, um, and we might have been fighting at home to 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 get that win versus, you know, kind of beating them well by thirty points in the end, really." I was going to say, on like from your perspective, like the Connacht Leinster game said to be a fascinating, you know, the first time we've had two legs. In the Champions Cup, that'll bring its own kind of, uh, you know, intrigue to it. But, you know, Connacht Leinster has been a good rivalry over the last couple of years, going back to the, you know, the Pro yeah. 12 final I mentioned earlier, Luke's favourite game. You know, it was a something you, game you you always got up for and the Connacht lads always got up for, like, even more so it's seen in the other Interpros. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong, like, there's always, with any of those derby games, like, there's always going to be a bit of sort of passion and emotion in it. But I think... I don't know, even as we were playing back then, the, the game's evolved and it, coaches are constantly trying to remove emotion from it because it's not consistent across the season. You can't be so emotionally invested in every single game. And I like I understand that, you know, Connacht Leinster will bring its own sort of rivalry, but they'll be talking in how uh, like inside their own circle, they'll be going, look, let's just focus on our game, forget whether it's the URC, forget whether it's the Champions Cup you know, let's just focus on us and then hopefully the result will take care of itself. And I think that's the approach they should be taking. I don't think they should come into it and be like, you know, oh, this is Leinster, let's really get stuck into them. I think they'll just go, look, let's play our own game and forget that we're playing Leinster. That will be my opinion on what the chat's happening inside the in the change room at the moment. But again, from a fan's point of view, they'll be going, oh, this is great. You know, we've we've three games against Leinster in the space of four weeks. It's going to be brilliant and there's going to be so much rivalry there, etc. 
but I think that it, the game's so much more professional now that guys are just focused purely on you know what their role is, you know what their job in the in the system is, and so on, and forgetting sort of a little bit about that whole um, rivalry, uh, if you want to put it that way. Yeah, look, you know the the two leg nature of it. Like it'll be a new kind of step in the in the competition. You know, from from you know having been playing in the in the tournament in, in previous years, obviously, like what, what do you think that the two leg nature of it will do to the kind of psyche of the knockout games? Like it'll make for a fairly nervy uh, second leg if you you're only ahead by a couple of points. Like I think from a supporter's perspective, this has potential to be like a really really exciting couple of weeks because if you think back and the only time i really can compare it to anything because obviously football you you have it um but in uh, the championship and do you ever remember some of those crazy results like teams that were like blowing away the rest of the league for the year uh you know ended up kind of getting pumped away from home in the second leg having won the first one even maybe comfortably um, and I'm, I'm gonna say i, I oh, do you know, I'm not going to commit to it was. I'm going to say maybe it might have been London Welsh or someone that actually. Yeah, London Welsh beat Bristol, I think maybe. I don't think. I think it might have been against Bristol. Bristol might have won the league yeah. like two two years in a row or something. But the first year they won it, they lost the second leg so badly to London Welsh away from home that they didn't go up. Now I think something weird happened where London Welsh went straight back down, but they weren't even going to go up because of some stadium capacity issues. I'm completely digressing here from the main point, which is I think it could be a really exciting couple of weeks. Um, from a player's perspective, like, would you rather have the home game first to set out your stall, or would you rather, you know, knowing what you have to do and going back to your home venue? Like, you could kind of make it an argument for either way. I'm just thinking of, you know, Ulster having to go to Toulouse first up. You know, is that's probably the, the worst draw of the lot. Like, But it's an interesting kind of way of, of looking at it. Yeah, like, uh, it, 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 it's hard to know. I think, like... I think if I was choosing, I would probably prefer to play away first. But in saying that, you know, would I want to go up to the RDS first and play there? I don't know. It's a tough one. Um, you probably, again, it, it's, it's hard to know. I'm, I'm even trying to figure out what sort of team Leinster will put out, let's say, for that URC game. So I know they'll play, they'll come down to the sports ground, play, then Connacht will play Benetton. And then Leinster back down again. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of team they put down. To be, I presume they'll be resting lads after the Six Nations and stuff and then going full strength for the Champions Cup game. But we'll have to see. But, I mean, I, I, it's hard to say. Like, I, I don't really know. I'd probably prefer to play away first and then back ourselves It's a bit tricky for the coaches on. I don't know what you think, but the, like, I think the coach, you know, because you, I bet, I remember, I always remember Joe Schmidt was very good. Like, obviously, he had all his kind of moves and different things like that that he that used to come up with, but he'd kind of tee you up one week or he wouldn't show you anything like the first time you play them, maybe. Um, and then all of a sudden, like, all the good moves would come out for the big game. Do you know that kind of way? So I wonder, will there be a bit of that? Like, obviously, the coaches will look at the main trends and say, oh, look, Leinster are making ground here or Connacht are kicking here. And they'll kind of don't there will be a rotation of the chess pieces week on week. Um, but I wonder what it'll be like. Will like will coaches be brave enough to hold back in the first week, or will they try and blow the other team away? Like it's I'd say that is a really tricky, you know, thing to think about as a coach coming into a you know a two-leg match. Yeah, big time. And I, I, and another factor, obviously, even though it's been it's been very dry and it's the, the way <laughs> that's been a bit of wind here but usually that used to play a huge factor so we would know an hour before kickoff okay 
big strong wind down to this corner what do we want to do do we want to play with it play against it or whatever it was and there was a lot of tactics I think that we used um to our own benefit like a couple of years ago that other teams couldn't get a hold of so we would say okay let's let's play into it first and keep them to uh, like as low a score as possible knowing that we were going to have the win in the second half whereas now I think I think Friendly likes to play more let's rack up as many points as we can and hold on to the lead so that's another thing that will come into play as well and yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm sure they'll have a few tricks up their sleeve, but I, I'd say they'll try and get the basics right first, particularly against Leinster, because, you know, they're you know, probably the, the team to beat. Uh, I don't know. I think it's Edinburgh sitting at the top of the, the URC at the moment, but, you know, I would say Leinster is as one of the top teams in it. Yeah, look, like on Leinster, obviously another pretty straightforward win over Bath. And last week you were saying that you thought they might be a bit undercooked going into Ireland camp. And while they haven't played particularly strong opposition, some of the key international guys look very, very sharp at the wreck over the weekend. Johnny Sexton, you know, first and foremost, had a very, very good game. You know, again, you know, you can't take much maybe from when you're playing a weak opposition like that, but does the manner in which they won and some of the, you know, the little kicks through and some of the handling, does that make you more confident that when the Six Nations rolls around in two weeks time that the, the key guys will be operating at a good level? Uh, yeah, I think so. I thought they looked a little, maybe, I thought the rusty part maybe, um, I think that probably showed itself in the first 20 30 minutes and then they got into gear and, and started really expressing themselves um like I, I always think with johnny's not really a concern in that respect because i think he's very much like, he's just so experienced at this stage that i would feel like the game is very slow for him um you know even though he plays in a position and plays very flat to the line so a lot lots of happening like it looks like it's happening very quick but i just feel like he's seen it all at this stage it's just a matter of him actually being fit like i don't think he'll like match fitness and all that kind of stuff of course it's important it definitely is but i feel like once you've gone that far into your career that's less of an issue for you um it's actually just about being fit and being able to do the 80 minutes um which he looks like he's in great shape so yeah he's kind of and he's still pulling all the strings there isn't he you know and and i think leinster once they got through that first 30 minutes um the pack looked excellent i mean the ball playing ability the the um the amount of threats they have with ball in the hand um, you know, once they're, you know, if, if you stand off them for a second, if someone falls asleep in their role in the defensive line, they just seem to be able to find that area that you're weak or that someone shuts off for half a second and they punish Bath all day there. Um, and they have lots of guys who, again, as I said, I was kind of probably worried they might have been out of, out of form. Um, and I, it might be hard to gauge given Bath are so poor, but like the likes of Josh van der Fleer, I mean, I know he's injured possibly. But he is on fire at the moment. Um, he was unbelievable. Conan looked very. Oh, the strong. finish for the first try was ah, wow. gee, unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah. So look, I think they have lots of guys who are uh, looking still very strong. Um, and you just hope that that step up from the two, you know, pretty poor oppositions they've had to play against, um, to international, you know, isn't too far for them to 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 go and do, um, because they look like they're really flying it, you know, and in great form. And some of the backs, I mean, Keenan to me looks to me. You know, he is really coming into his own. That ball handling ability, it just opens up the pitch when you've got a fullback who can pass the ball. It's just so, so important. Uh, and oftentimes with the way defences are set up now, when you get to that area, you know, even st- like they leave the last guy in the line, even if they're, you know, their they're numbers down. If you have a guy who can get the ball away there, you're so hard to contain because Lancer can get to that position a lot versus other teams seem to, you know, they, they don't have that kind of, pack that can break it down and the tight exchanges and suck in numbers as, as Owen was saying that can get you honeypotting because you're worried about the threats they have inside and um, Leinster have that 
and with Keane in there now, they look a real formidable force. So uh, it was it was great from 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 their perspective, and I think from an Irish perspective because so many of them in the squad. Uh, good to see them playing well. Yeah, and like how would you assess Leinster at the moment? Obviously, they had that long gap when there was you know COVID cases and a lot of games postponed, and then the two games the last you know couple of weeks were well, scoring what eighty two or eighty two points I think against Montpellier and sixty four against Bath is some going even though the opposition wasn't at its strongest. You know, how, how do you view them at the moment? I think a big, you know, one of the things that stands out for me when I watch Leinster play is it, 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 they're very structured, but I, I can't tell what shape they're playing. And I think that's because they play with their heads up and they play into the space. So wherever the space is, they so many good ball players, even their pack, their back row, their front row, you know what I mean? If you if you if you're a number short down the blind, they're taking that space and they're going for it. So sometimes I watch it and I'm like, what? I, I, I don't know what system they're playing here, but they're getting going forward off every ball. They're playing quick. They're moving it, and that's the biggest threat that Leinster have is the fact that you know they've so many players just playing with their heads up and going, where's the space? Where's the space? And playing into it. And as I said, they've some incredible ball carriers in the pack. And then, uh, as uh, as Luke said, some uh, amazing um, backs there that like Keenan and stuff that are able to just rip it wide and uh, and punish teams very easily. Yeah, and one back who had a great game at the weekend, Jimmy O'Brien scoring four tries. Luke, he's a guy, I suppose, who's you're a bit, a bit of luck. He got an injury now and again that's maybe you know stopped his development a little more. And obviously, it's a very competitive back line as well. You know, he's played 15 before, he's played in the centre. You know, what do you make of him and how he's been developing? Obviously, it is tough to, to make a breakthrough when you have so many quality internationals around you, but he, he's been playing very well the last couple of weeks. Yeah, he's been brilliant and uh, great to see. What I did love is he looks like he's got that uh, kind of Michael Jordan kind of... Um, no, 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 I'm not... Hang on, I'm not going to go and say he's Michael <laughs> Jordan. But he's got that mentality where he's not... He, he wants to defend as good as he wants to attack. Like he wants to completely dominate his opposite, his opposite number. I mean, some of those tackles that he put in, yes, the four tries will get the headlines as they always do, but people are probably watching the wrong stuff. In my opinion, like the defensive stuff. I mean, that, that try that's I mean, I think he had two tackles, two crunching tackles that, you know, like particularly when you're coming from that position from a good bit back, they're bone crunchers. Like you have to be brave in, in them. And he wasn't just going to take the guy down. He was going to hit hard. And one of them was a proper try saver uh, down on that. Well, on the left-hand touchline for Bath, close to the line. It was a brilliant, brilliant piece of defending. And that's what your team needs sometimes. Um, they don't need some, you know, like you just need to be hanging in there. Sometimes. And Lens were able to kind of bat off Bath when like, look, the game was over and done with, but they're, they're, that's kind of really disheartening for opposition teams is when you do actually find that space. You get a one-on-one with one of the back three players and that guy makes a crunching tackle. Like that's, that, that is what you need. That's a proper team player to me. And he looks like a guy whose mentality is right. He understands that against a really good team, you're probably going to have the ball 50% of the time. And of course you want to be great when you have the ball but you mightn't have it for 50% of the time too. And you're going to have to make a positive contribution to the team. And he was brilliant there. And I love to see that because particularly away from home, um, you know, you need your back three guys to pitch in too, uh, because, you know, the opposition team might have, might have the ball more than 50% of the time. So I thought it was a great sign for a young player. Um, he understands what's important and what you need to do to be a great player. And it looks like he's well on his way to doing that. Challenge again for everyone at Leinster, can you get in the team? And where do you get in the team? I don't know. I can't see a position for him right now. Um, 
but he's going to be bloody hard to drop if he keeps playing like that. Yeah, no, when you look at Leinster and, and all that strength and depth that they have, like, it, there, there is so many options. Even, you know, when, when someone like James Lowe is injured in short notice, like, Jimmy O'Brien just steps in and, and has such a good game. Like, you know, I'm sure from your con days, you would have loved to have had some of the, you know, the resources and, and the amount of depth that Leinster have. Yeah, I think so. And, like, you know, it's probably why Leinster have been so successful over the years. They just have that conveyor belt of guys coming out of school. I know some of the lads that play with us that have been to the likes of Blackrock and uh, and schools like that have said they almost used to train more when they were in school than they did when they were professional. So you have these guys coming out of school that are basically almost professional athletes. Like, or the, at least they, they have the mindset for it. You know, they're used to training, you know, maybe five days a week. You know, they're used to the schedule of, of, of training and and the high quality of rugby, I think that's played at the schools level, and that just pours in into the Leinster professional system. Then, so um, as I said, it's it's so competitive. Once you drop, you know, if you drop off for a game or two, there's there's another young guy that's waiting there to take your spot, and that's probably why they've been so successful over the years, is because they have to play well, otherwise they lose their spot in the team. And you know, obviously, Luke, it's been a truncated, like you know, pool stage for Leinster. It's been a truncated season generally, and I know that you were a little concerned if, if, like, it was coming a bit unraveled, given they were missing so many games, and then the players would be away for the Six Nations. But after the last two weeks, has it kind of has it settled down a bit? Do you think for Leinster, have they kind of gotten their season back on track now? They know who they're playing in the knockouts. They know a, the path they might have to take if they want to advance. Has have things kind of maybe got back to the, where the coaches would be happy with it? Yeah, I think so. Um, challenges are all probably leaving for Six Nations now pretty soon. Um, and look, I think Leinster are probably the, you know, very well equipped to, to lose the amount of players that they are going to lose, in all fairness. Um, and they've got a very settled coaching ticket at this stage. That always helps too. So um, it's still going to be a challenge for them, like losing that many players. But uh, yeah, it looks to me like they're back up and running. They were two very impressive performances, albeit against poor opposition, as we've mentioned already. But you still have to beat what's in front of you. So uh, I think they'll be pleased. I think they might have been slightly concerned at the time uh, about how quickly the cases were going to get through. Were they going to get any of these matches played? You know, you're always like, there's always a risk of those things like not going well for you. Um, but look, I think it's turned out the, the correct way in, in the end. Like, you know, you wouldn't want to see Leinster, you know, not making a, a qualification. Now, you, you, you were confident all the way through, Will, but I, I had a few concerns, um, I, I must admit. You know, I just thought if Montpellier brought over a big team and then you're going away to Bath who are under pressure, like they'd, I know they've lost nine or ten straight, but the last thing you want is a big match like that at home in the wreck. And I was thinking, Jesus, like, what? Like, could they actually not qualify here if they don't, if they haven't played together in like five or six weeks? Um, so I'm sure there's a, a little bit of a sigh of relief to get through to this stage and be in good health, I think, as well. Only tight for long James Ryan, maybe, but it sounds like they'll be back. Um, Johnny Sexton back in the mixer, Henshaw back as well. I think they look pretty strong at this stage. Um, so yeah, season very much back back in um, back in good order, I think. Yeah, and it was another good weekend on for the other provinces, Ulster and Munster. But maybe we start with Ulster first. They had a, another impressive win over Claremont, even though Claremont made a late comeback and made things kind of a bit a bit ropey for them at the end. But have you been impressed with how they've been playing? You know, some some of the young backs like Michael Lowry, Robert Balakun have been really impressive there in the Ireland squad too. You know, what have you made of Ulster's development this season? I think, yeah, I I think they've been been very good. I, I I was actually surprised that Connacht put such a score. I actually went up to that game in the Aviva. Um, I was expecting it to be a little bit better, but I just think Connacht came with a, a much better mentality that day, and they they really put a number on them. But yeah, definitely, I think um, 
Ulster have a really good chance this season. They've, as you said, Lowry called up in the squad, Balakoon there as well, very dangerous. So, um, like they, they, they just look solid. They just look solid. They just seem to get the get the results, and uh, you can't really fault them. I know Dan McFarlane will have the guys uh, well drilled uh, up there. So, um, yeah, they're very good. And same with Munster. I think Munster. You know they've had obviously their uh, their issues due to COVID as well with uh, with losing players and they still managed to come out the right side of victories as well. So, um, yeah, I mean it's it, it's a great position for for Ireland as a, as a country having all the four provinces there and I think they all have quite a strong chance. So, um, it'll be interesting to see. I'm quite looking forward to it. Yeah, so from your time with Connacht, when Don McFarlane would have been there as an assistant, like what would what kind of stood out to you about how he goes about his business? He's been very impressive since he came into Ulster. You know, what kind of stands out about his coaching style? I think Dan is probably the most technical coach I I've ever been coached by. And when I say technical, I mean he loves the stuff that everyone else hates. Like so he loves a he loves a rock. He loves the technicality of a mall. He loves the the, the, the little bit of grit that like people don't really notice but that is is massive for for teams and it, 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 that was the biggest thing that stood out for me was how technical he was when it came to his coaching salute I used to actually enjoy days when he would kind of take the whole team and he would run the whole team session like the head coach because he was so good and because he was so technical so um I think he's a huge huge asset for Ulster and um he's actually a huge asset for Ireland I hope he stays within within Ireland uh, whether it be with one of the provinces or or maybe eventually up into the uh the, the Irish team yeah it's funny so you, you saw him you know with with head coach qualities even then when he when he was an assistant oh yeah def- oh, definitely and I think that's that was his aspiration I, I don't know I, I won't get into it now, but I don't know if he had gone for the role with Connacht or what or what way that panned out. But um, he saw the opportunity with Glasgow and then uh, over in Scotland with them as well a bit as well, and then uh, obviously wanted to get back to Ireland, came back to as a head coach for Ulster. But yeah, I mean he's an ambitious guy, and I'd say he always had a head coach, uh, a head coach as his ambition. Mm. And Luke, you know when we when we did our preview before. Uh, the first round of pool games, you know, Ulster, you know, Claremont and Northampton, it looked like a pretty formidable uh, set of opponents, but they, you know, came out with four wins from four games. You know, Toulouse now in the last 16, I'd say they probably got the worst draw of everyone considering they were a second seed and got saddled with, you know, pro- probably the best team in the tournament up there with Leinster. Um, you know, it's a very formidable tie, but like, do you think what you've seen from them, like, c- can they take down a team like Toulouse? Yeah, I think, I think they can. Uh, look, I suppose my disappointment with Ulster this year has probably been that they're just still a little bit week to week. Lack concentration at times. Um, and I think that probably showed in the weekend a little bit. I'd say Dan is probably a guy, you know, he always, I, only, I only came across him kind of Ireland A once or twice, but he struck me as a real details guy, which probably tallies up nicely with Owen's uh, summation of his kind of abilities there. Um, I would say those things really annoy him. Um, because I think they look very comfortable for large periods of that game and just a few basic errors and all of a sudden that game was back in the mixture. It had no right to be. Um, and I think there, there's been a, a good bit of that with Ulster this year. Like even losing that game, um, you know, with Munster having the red card for, for so long, like they're kind of concentration things um, and just application of the game plan. Um, 
to touch on what, why I think they might be able to win, I think they look like a team. I think Vermeulen will actually have a big impact there. I think he gets better and better as the season goes on. I think they'll manage him very well. And look, I think he'll play a good bit of rugby, but I think they'll manage him well, and I think he'll get better. Um, I like Timoney. Timoney's really good, I think. He looks like a player who's playing well. Um, and I think, you know, once they get, like, I mean, Henderson back in there consistently, like, he, he's a big player for them, you know? And I think that front row, I, I look, I... I've actually been a guy who's probably criticised, um, you know, the the some of the Ulster front row from 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 time to time. Um, I, I thought they were really really good, and I thought Herring actually was outstanding on the weekend. I'd say he probably saw the two Leinster hookers playing so well over the last couple of weeks that you know what. I need to take this by the scruff of the neck here. I can't just be a numbers guy at rooks and and, and just be a solid line out thrower. I need to do more. He looked really really good. I thought, and he was excellent for them. Um, and look, if Jack McGrath there, Marty Moore playing well, Tom, you know, Tom's there, Tom O'Toole, like I think they look really strong all of a sudden um, from a from a pack that I thought was probably the weak point in the team, because certainly that backline, look, Billy Burns, whatever, look, I was pretty, probably pretty harsh on him last week on reflection. Um, I still don't think he's probably the answer to, to Ireland's woes at 10, you know, in terms of Johnny Sexton's age profile. Um, I don't think he's up to that level, but he was good in the weekend and he's got outstanding players outside him um, with, you know, McCluskey to come back in. We don't know if, um, you know, Addison's going to get back in there, but the guys who are there at the moment are playing out of their skin. Like we didn't even mention Hume. I thought Hume was still brilliant on the weekend. I don't know what you guys thought. Um, and he's going to be pushing Henshaw, Ringrose and Aki very, very hard for one of those center spots uh, during the Six Nations. So things looking pretty good up there at the moment, but they still look a little bit loose at times. And I would like them, and I think Dad, I'm sure, will be saying to them, we cannot, ele- we cannot be loose at any time against Toulouse because they just will punish you from everywhere. They're just one of those teams that someone goes asleep for half a second, a drop ball that you're not looking at, um, they pick up and they run kind of 70, 80 meters with it. Like that's, that's just, they're, they're that kind of team. They don't even have to be in the game for that much to punish you badly. So um, they're in a good place. I think they get better. I think they'll need to get better. I think two legs against Toulouse might be too much for them, but I think it'll be a, it'll be a great couple of legs. And I'm looking forward to watching those ones too. And yeah, on just the last province in action over the weekend was Munster, a very impressive win over was their best performance probably in a couple of weeks. Cause they have got criticism at times for the style of play, even when they have maybe got a couple of good results. You know, what have you made of that debate around Munster and how they've been playing lately, even though, as I said, some of the results have been good, but not everyone's been happy. I, I think that's been, that debate's been there with Munster for decades now. I think I, I used to watch Munster uh, and even when we used to play them and I think, like, how did they win that game? Like, they didn't really do anything special. Yeah, they were good at the weekend, but, the amount of games they win, and, and you're thinking, how did they win that game? They just have a very good winning mentality down there. And, um, that's been there for years, obviously, you know, with some of the, the, the likes of Joe Foley and O'Connell and obviously Peter Mahoney there now. So it's obviously ingrained into them. And whether you like it or not, um, the style of what your team is playing, if they're getting the results, I mean, you're not complaining. The people said the same about Ireland during Joe Schmidt's era. Like, they weren't playing an amazing brand of rugby, but they were doing what they were doing very well and they were winning grand slams and everybody was happy. So I think if you can, if you can come out the right side of, uh, of results, not playing this, you know, hugely expansive game of rugby, then, you know, what's to complain about? Yeah. It might be, you know, um, as you know, 
great to watch as let's say is the All Blacks, you know, whipping it all over the field. But they're winning games, they're winning games, and uh, and you can't be unhappy about that. Uh, you know? can try, you can try. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I will say? I thought it was really, I was really pleased. Sort of, I'm sure they felt the pressure. Um, and I think their their supporters actually wanted to see them play a bit more. They have plenty of tools out wide. Your Conways, your Zebos, these guys, who when given space and time, they're bloody dangerous, you know. And I think they showed that on the weekend. Um, really pleased to see um, you know Healy go well at ten. Wasn't sure. I, I, I to be honest with you, I thought Crowley looked really good, and I was surprised that um, they didn't select him. And I think I was, yeah, I think that, that comp, that's actually a closer competition for, for that 10 slot than I, than I thought it was, actually. I thought he was brilliant on the weekend. Who do you think is the better prospect, Luke, between Ben Healy and I think Jack it's Crowley? Too, probably, too early to say on, 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 on Crowley. I'm not sure. Um, I think I've seen a little... Is it? Jeez, it's very harsh to be making a call on Healy's prospects as well, given that I've only seen him play really a, like, no, probably a handful of games. I, I think they both look really good. The challenge for them now is from a team that looked like they were struggling for a 10, looked like they now have three pretty good ones. You know what I'm going to say? I think those two younger guys should be their, their, their long-term option there at 10. I think they both look really good. They're both big guys as well. I like having in my front line, my 10, 12, 13. I always think it's a thing that doesn't get said much about Johnny Sexton, but he's quite a big man. Like that's a, it's a really nice thing to have in there. It gives you great solidity. It means you're very hard to break down. And those two boys are they're big enough lads versus Carberry's a bit slighter. And you see the kind of impact he's had on his like his I feel like his best position is 15 because I think he's a real like natural footballer. He's got great footwork. Um I think he could be play that kind of Keenan role um where he could open up defenses out there at, at 15. I think the best shape for Munster going forward is actually to have one of those guys at 10 and have him at 15. Now Haley was good on the weekend, but oh, I still think that's his best position. And I'd actually think the emergence of these two guys has made me even more sure that that's the right call for them going forward is to push him back there. Um, but uh, pretty difficult thing to do for what looks like to be the, the Ireland number two at this, at, at this stage. Although Carty, I'm sure will have something to say about that. Um, but yeah, Munster were really good. I thought their ball handling was brilliant. I thought Byrne still making that case, you know, like, I mean, how do you leave that guy out after these last couple of weeks? Like he's just, I say last couple of weeks, how do you leave him out? He's playing so good for so long. Um, he he is a key guy for them. That ball handling ability, not just his carrying and his turnovers. He's that guy that can let, get that ball out the back to your Healy Crowley, to, uh, you know, Carberry. He can tip that ball on to the other Munster forward, to Kilcoyne on the charge, that can open up defences for you. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, I think their pack look it was purring against. I actually thought Watts defended quite well for 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 large periods, but they just couldn't contain Munster after when Munster calmed down and kept playing their rugby. Um, and some of the pick and go play was brilliant. I think against these defenses nowadays, with no one really in that rook, it's actually a very important play to have in the back to have a, to have in your bag is to have forwards who can look up and say, you know what, that guy's scanning out, looking at looking at nine. I'm going to take a couple of easy yards in here, push the defense back. And now we can play a bit of ball. So I thought they did loads of those things really, really well, Will. I know I've kind of gone on a bit there, but I was really pleased for them. And they look like, yeah, extra tough team. But I wouldn't want to be playing Munster either in two legs. Uh, Tom Park is a pretty formidable place to go still. So, um, yeah, that's a very exciting tie too. 
Yeah, and coming up against the pick and go masters in Exeter, I think Sam Simmons another three tries. I think seventy five tries in a hundred games for Exeter, which is bonkers for a back row player. But yeah, another one of those absolutely cracking last sixteen ties to look forward to in a couple of weeks' time. But oh, and just before we finish up, I suppose like now for the provinces, as we mentioned, the internationals will be going away. It'll, the focus will turn to the Six Nations, but. There's still so many big games for the provinces to come. Like you've been in a provincial squad during this period when there mightn't be that many games, but you still have to keep kind of trucking along and looking ahead to the season. Like what what's that period like when you are kind of trying to just keep yourself fresher and look ahead to later in the season when the Six Nations is going on? Yeah, I think it's probably earlier in my career, it was less of an issue. We found a, a time to really sort of get results. We would target those four games, be like, we need four four out of four here definitely because the other teams are weaker but I think now you look at the amount of players that we lose or that Connacht lose I should say to the Irish squad it's almost balancing out and regardless of whether they're starting or not they might be held off so there's still a bit of you know um inconsistency there with like guys coming in and guys coming out but I mean it's the same across all the teams like everybody loses players during the Six Nations so you can't look at it you know one team and be like oh it's unfair they you know they're missing you know, five of their starting team or whatever. I think it sort of happens across the board throughout this time, but it's definitely a great time for younger players to get some game time. Um, from what, from my experience, it was always a good time to to, to get in and, and get a shot. But um, yeah, I think definitely from Connick's point of view, that consistency and that controlling of a game, particularly when they have a lead, is something that they'll really need to focus in on before they get back into the Champions Cup and play uh, and play Leinster. Yeah, well, the Six Nations is going to be pretty good, but I'm already really looking forward to these uh, two-leg last 16 ties. I think we wet the appetite nicely for, for later in the season. So, for the moment, Owen, Luke, thanks so much for joining me. Cheers, Will. Cheers. That's all we have time for on the left wing this week. We'll be back next week with another podcast. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening and goodbye.